I am a first generation. I'm the youngest of three children. My parents immigrated here in the 80s. And growing up, you know, we didn't have very much, you know, free and reduced lunch, um, living in the same apartment for like over a decade. But I just remember there was always this bounty of comics and TV and music. Hi, I'm graphic novelist Jarrett J. Krasowska, and welcome to Origin Stories. In this podcast, I go on a deep dive into the upbringings and artistic development of some of the very brightest and most talented graphic novelists working today. In this episode, we are going to get to know how Ngozi Okazu became Ngozi Okazu. In 2013, Ngozi created a webcomic called Check Please. The webcomic follows vlogger and figure skater turned ice hockey player Eric Biddle otherwise known as Biddy. As Biddy enters college, he deals with hockey culture, toxic masculinity, as well as his identity as a gay man. Oh, and he also bakes delicious pies. I mean, I, mean, I know these are drawings and they're not real, but they look delicious. In 2018, First Second brought Ngozi's Check Please to print, and the book became a massive success. Please note that this interview was recorded some months ago, well before I knew what in the heck I was doing with microphones. I considered re-recording the interview, uh, but there's just something magical about learning of a friend's history in the moment, despite the questionable audio quality. I really love this young adult graphic novel. Let's get to know Ngozi Okazu. Origin Stories with JJK. Jarrett J. Krasowski. Jarrett Before we get into my conversation with Ngozi, Origin Stories is sponsored in part by High Five Books, a beautiful and incredible indie bookshop here in Florence, Massachusetts. Check out studiojjk.com forward slash origin stories for links to buy Ngozi's books from this fabulous indie. And while you're over on the High Five website, check out their curated list of book recommendations. Truly High Five worthy. Okay, on to my chat with... Ngozi, how are you, friend? Hi, I'm actually doing pretty well. So... Check Please, uh, the first book came out in 2018, but before we get to how Check Please came about, I want to know how Ngozi came about. Could you talk to me a little bit about your childhood or what it was like and what kind of stories and media were you absorbing? I am a first generation. I'm the youngest of three children. My parents immigrated here in the 80s. And growing up, we didn't have very much free and reduced lunch, living in the same apartment for like, over a decade, but I just remember there was always this bounty of comics and TV and music that me and my brother and sister absorbed and we just continued to absorb. I didn't ever think that comics would be a viable profession. I just thought that entertainment was something that um, very privileged people got to make there's people who weren't like me. And in a way, it is a privilege to create comics right now, but it wasn't something I had my sights on. It wasn't something that I thought would a viable career. And it honestly wasn't until college where I was trying to major in computer science at Yale, which is, okay, wow. I really thought I had something going on up here. I really thought I was very, just uh, very smart. Um, but I realized that was not what I wanted to do. That was not where my heart was set on. And my dean recommended that I pursue something that I was actively passionate about, which was art. 
And that's what I ended up doing. That's and after that, I went to grad school for yeah. And I, but I didn't even mention like the stuff I was reading. I was reading uh, manga. I was watching tons and tons of anime. I was watching all of those Bruce Tim, Darwin Cook inspired DC Comics animated series. I was watching lots of sitcoms. Like I've watched like so many episodes of Frasier. Watched all of The Simpsons. Like it does my my. My, most of my influence is very like American and Western with all of the anime and manga influence that came to the States in the early aughts. I remember the first manga that I picked up was Tokyo Mew Mew, which was about, it was basically like Sailor Moon, except the girls turned into cats. And as a 13 year old, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to read. This I want to read about girls turning into cats and then beating up like really beating the crap out of like evil dudes. I remember also in middle school, just truly diving into the world of DC comics. I was on the periphery of the Marvel world. I remember reading the ultimate, the ultimate books, ultimate Spider-Man, et cetera, because those were published in the early aughts. But I, I remember getting deep into DC comics uh, because I watched the Justice League show on Cartoon Network. And I remember reading this trade by Kevin Smith called Quiver. And it's a green arrow. It was a green arrow trade. And just reading that over and over again. So I, ha I have a bunch of weird channels into comics. So that's my genealogy in terms of creativity. And so what I'm astounded by, like every, I didn't know any of that about your influences, but that all totally makes sense, having read and loved your, love your work. But computer science? For college? <laughs> that was, okay, so when you're a child of an immigrant, you know how it is, like, when you're first generation, or even if you grow up not having a lot, the viable careers that parents think you can have, that their kids can have, are like, doctor, lawyer, pharmacist, engineer, and I really do love science. It was, I, those were my best grades in high school. I was getting like A's and I really loved studying and like making notes for bio. And I liked computer science because there's this really fun programming aspect to it, this fun puzzle solving aspect to it. And you are making something out of nothing, which is a lot like comics. But I realized sophomore year of college that while my friends were programming for fun and reading up on the new technological advances, I was making comics. I was drawing. I was writing stand-up sets. I was, like, writing humor dialogues. I really was – my brain was in a creative place. My heart was in a more creative place. And so that was really where I had to come to come to terms with the fact that I wasn't going to be an engineer. I wasn't going to be an engineer. I wasn't going to be a doctor. I really wanted to make cartoons. And my parents, supportive as they are, as they were, like, I had to tell them that I was not going to pursue any of those very safe like, Yeah, you, you're, They sent you to Yale for computer science. And then you're like, what about instead? What if, I, what if I made cartoons which you don't have to go to school for at all? If you're enjoying my chat with Ngozi and want to see the conversation, which includes visuals of the books we reference, check out studiojjk.com forward slash origin stories. I recorded this talk via Switcher Studio. Switcher Studio is a simple and powerful iOS app that makes your live video feeds look like a professionally produced piece. 
Your iPad becomes like the production control room as you switch between your iPhone camera, which acts as your webcam, your remote guests, and any pre-recorded video or visuals you want to bring on the screen. I'd like to thank Switcher Studio for sponsoring the podcast. And as a thank you to you for listening, you may use code STUDIOJJK at switcherstudio.com to receive a free month of the service. So when you read the intro to the first book, you yeah. talk about having taken a screenplay uh, course, a screenwriting yeah. course in your senior year. Yeah, yeah. And I, towards the end of my college career, that was where I decided, okay, let me try to prepare myself to be a storyteller. Let me start to study different aspects of the craft. And I took a screenwriting course. So yeah, so if, if someone's watching this and they are not familiar with Check, Please at all, it's my first graphic novel. It's my only graphic novel that I've done so far. And it's the story, ah, there you go. It's the story of uh, a former figure skater who joins a college hockey team and loves to, it's a queer romance. It's a coming of age story. It's a story about hockey. It's about it's sports and baking. And the number one question that I get is, how did you get into the story? I'm, I'm a black woman from Houston, Texas. I'm not really your typical hockey fan. I'm, that's not what a typical hockey fan looks like. And I really fell into this story first during the screenway, uh, screenplay writing class that I took my senior year of college, where I decided to write a screenplay about a hockey player. And in order to do that, I had to do a ton of research. I came out of that process a total hockey fanatic because I'd learned so much. I, I've always loved sports, but by the end of this, I was just totally, like, just totally fascinated with the world of hockey. And when I started grad school the very next year, grad school for comics, which yes, you can go to grad school for comic book making, I wanted to practice and I ended up making my webcomic Check Please, which is just, yeah, it was a direct inspiration from the screenplay. That course instilled in me, Inception style, this idea that storytelling is, it's its like a very internal process. It's, it, the story itself is a life form that exists outside of you, the author. It, it instilled in me a lot of, I'm not the most like mystical, spiritual person, but when I talk about character and story, I can go to that place of what does the story want? What does the character need? Like they're active agents instead of just things that I'm creating. Yeah. And so that that script that you wrote senior year, and then you went to grad school for, where did you go to grad school for comedy? I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia, where did I Yale, did Yale like, not have a comics? You know what? It's so weird. Yale didn't have like a cartooning class. It's so strange how... Well, if they did, it would be like all New Yorker single panel. It would be all New Yorker single panel, (laughs) abstract art, like take a Joseph Albers painting and make it into sequential art. No offense to Yale school art. It's just, it's not about drawing manga or superheroes. So you started this as a a webcomic then. And so was that webcomic, was it all of these characters? Yeah, this the what you have uh, there on your desk is the web comic that I started. I had never, I never had any intent to get this comic into print. It it was just supposed to be practice. Actually, I was like, I'll do one or like two or three chapters, maybe four or five to practice, and that will help me in the summer in between college and grad school. And if you see me looking to the side, it's because my cat is threatening to unplug my webcam. So I'm just, <laughs> just scratching its ears, trying As to keep do. it happy. <laughs> Please don't destroy everything. Um, but I kept working on the comic. 
and I kept working on the comic during grad school. And eventually I gained a following and I did a Kickstarter to self-publish the book. And it was around the time where I self-published. That's when first set imprint of Macmillan, they noticed this book and they were like, hey, we see that you're self-publishing. How would you like to see this book in bookstores? Um, so that the path from me just doing this as practice. I love that. Uh, the framing of the story is the main character, Biddy, has, yeah. he has this vlog, right? Where yeah. it breaks up. And I love a great detail is background changes as he's aging up in college. College uh, hockey players, you must have had to go through some kind of scientific observational journey. Were you just sitting in the corner quietly with like journals? Did you follow a hockey team? Yeah, I, I would go to frat parties and sit in the corner and just record everything. Usually there was some foliage that I would hide behind. I had a camera that would turn that was motion censored. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I yeah, was like your, a, your, 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 your glasses would have a little camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was very good. I, I would I would cover myself with a, a jersey that would smell like a hockey player. So they wouldn't even look for me. They would just they would walk right past me. And I mean, I, I like sports as well. And so I, it's not like, <laughs> like I never <laughs> interacted with sporting people. I, I was on the basketball team for a semester in high school, and I would have been on longer if it weren't for that pesky chemistry grade that had fallen to a B. So oh. you've got to keep working hard. It was like a C, like, boom, I don't think it was bad. But when I was playing basketball, I probably, I, I love playing it, and I think I'm still pretty athletic. But I probably should have realized that I wasn't going to be like some division one superstar because I would also watch basketball documentaries and just read a lot of sports journalism. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is helping me with sports. No. I just, I just <laughs> but I hope you write the story because even as someone, as someone who doesn't really, uh, like I don't follow, like I, for me, sports is I'd like to go to Fenway to go see the Red Sox play live. But other than that, I, I don't have much interest. But you had me. This is a, such a page turner for the story of the, the sport. And so hearing you talk about how much you did like sports and participated in sports, but then all of the other, like the superhero stories you absorb, it definitely feels like, the, like a Justice League of, of jocks, for a lack of a better expression. But then also knowing how much you love those sitcoms. yeah. I felt that like I, I felt and I was there for the character development. I was there for the blossoming romance. I, and I can say I was there for the body language. You are an expert at the body language and how the characters are just moving through the scenes. Oh, thank you. I, I think a lot of that comes from having done some acting in college too. just you really want to act out what your characters are doing. You have another layer of physical dialogue that readers can read. It adds to everything. It's so fascinating. In American comics, there's not a lot of sports stories. Where in cartoonist and the athlete, like that Venn diagram is like that. <laughs> and the only sports stories that we get are like super weirdo, like American style superhero comics that are like JJ Watt is a superhero. And it's just <laughs> no, I'd rather just watch JJ Watt do very well on the Texans instead of reading a comic about him. That doesn't right. make any sense to me. But the reason why I find sports so interesting as just something to consume, it's all about the human drama. It's just metaphor. It's just like it, everything that you see played out in an, arena, in an arena, on the pitch, 
on the court, it's just a metaphor for the, it's just externalizing the internal. That's all it is. <laughs> I'm very passionate about it. And yeah, no, it, it's just, and I, one, one of the best questions that I ever got on a panel was someone was like, and they weren't being snarky. They were being very genuine, but they were just like, if uh, all sports games, you either win or lose them, how do you make that interesting? And I was just like, don't you, don't you understand that it's not just about the winning and the losing. It's about the stakes. It's always about the stakes that you set up before the game. Mm. And that and, and a, a, a loss or a win is just, it's almost like testing a hypothesis. So if Biddy is having this huge internal conflict about coming out to his father and his father not supporting him, and then his father is in the stands at the game, all of that external stuff, all of that internal conflict plays out. So if he loses that game, what does it mean about his relationship with his father? If he wins that game, is, is there a resolution between him and his father? That's, it's just adding context to a win or loss. So it's never just, oh, they got enough points. <laughs> yeah, right. You can just watch ESPN for that. And I, yeah, and I don't know. And for me, I guess that's very obvious because when I'm watching a game, I'm like, if LeBron wins this championship, then his entire journey that was forced upon him when he was 18 years old becomes more legitimate. This is not just about one game. It's about a legacy. But then I, that's, but that's me being really crazy about sports. <laughs> so, I, okay. I, and I hope this is like a, this is a conversation. Cause I can ask you literally just as many questions as you've asked. Sure, me. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm very interested in your relationship with sports and what you think about men and toxic masculinity. <laughs> just I was, I was terrified. I was terrified of sports. I, I was a not natural athlete. But my grandfather, who raised me, he was a sports star in high school. He had photo journals of him playing basketball in the 1940s, the newspaper writing articles about him. and But he never forced it on me. Like, I never, the people that raised me never really pushed it on me. It was clear that I... I just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. I love to draw. When I got to high school, I was petrified because I had a, an older sister who would say to me growing up, hey, if you, if you don't stop playing sports now, by the time you get to high school, you're going to be a wicked dork. <laughs> and, which was like so much pressure. And I, I just, and it just wasn't me trying to put like a square peg into a, a round hole. But some people who I would think of, oh, I'm not cool enough to sit at your lunch table. You must be a real jerk and i'm like oh look, they were just kids like me who were struggling with life who had stuff at home were trying to find themselves and they were i had art they had sports right so yeah. sports for many people is is a safe space and it's it's interesting because it can be both a safe space and a toxic space but there is still some protection there of being on a team and having belonging so it's, I've always, now more than ever, I start to ask people like, did you play sports? Why or why not? What yeah. was your attitude growing up? Oh, but one thing that I wanted to ask you, which I almost want to ask every single person making comics today, is if someone came up to you and was like, I want to do what you do, what path would you prescribe to them? What would you mm, tell them? I, similar to what we've been talking about, learn how to write a screenplay, take acting classes, but you also have to just have a really thick skin and you... And almost more important than your ability to write and illustrate is your, your ability to hustle and work hard and yep. know that 
no one's going to come finding you. Like you have to put yourself stuff out there in some way. I mean, what, what do you tell people? Oh boy. The more I, the, the longer that I am separated from like when I started my web comic to now, like I, my advice has started to shift. One thing I do tell people is that they don't always need to go to art school, which is extremely expensive. I often tell people like community college is fine or state school is fine. It's more than fine. You save money and you can still study art really well and then have a backup thing instead of an art degree. And I I think on the same line as hustling is there has to be this ability to finish a finish a project. There has to be this ability to execute. It's, you, if, if you aren't able to self-promote yourself, like some people are very shy, they don't know how to just sell, sell themselves, you have to be able to show an employer that you can finish a project if you're not the type of person to self-promote. So I always recommend that people finish finish a small zine, finish a small book, like finish something and then work on that because the path to you know, being a published author is a series of completions, series of, you have to complete steps. And what I mean, you have to finish a chapter, you have to finish thumbnails. So you have to be able to understand that kind of grueling feeling of knowing that you have to complete something and it's not perfect. So that's, that's usually what I tell people. And, and, and what that also shows is that you have the ability to draw the character over and over again and have it look like the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally just consistency. Yeah. Just like, just even consistency. And on top of that, like knowing that some of this is drudgery, I call it a meaningful toil. Like that, that, that it's, it's not always like the most, you're not always drawing Godzilla fighting a million like jet planes. You're not always drawing that one amazing kiss. Sometimes you're just going to be drawing the same shoe over and over. Speaking of fun, let's read some, let's read some of your books. Oh boy. Graphic Novels Readers Theatre. So Sticks and Scones is, so in the first book, Biddy, he goes to this new school, he's playing hockey, he's terrified of getting checked, and he's figuring out his place on the team. And Sticks and Scones, Biddy is on the team, he's dating one of his former teammates, and he is now trying to figure out his place in the world, his and Jack's place. And over the first half of the book, he and Jack are constantly having to come out to teammates, parents. Are we going to get another check, please? Is that what you're working on? No more check, please. No, check, please is done. I have a new graphic novel that I'm working on right now. I'm almost done thumbnailing. Yeah, it's going to be about a Nigerian girl who goes to a private boarding school and has a crush on a rich white boy. And they switch bodies and it's about race and socioeconomics wow. <laughs> and gender. Oh, is it about gender? Oh, it sounds amazing. It was so great to chat with you. I look forward to seeing you again in real life. Oh, IRL. Okay, IRL. thank you so much. This was lovely. You're fantastic. Hashtag alone together. Thank you to Ngozi for chatting and thank you for listening. Again, if you're interested in picking up some of Ngozi's books and you'd like to order online while supporting a human with a dream, Head to studiojjk.com forward slash origin stories for a link to High Five Books, an amazing sponsor of the show, a great independent bookstore. I'm Jarrett J. Krasoska. Follow me online at Studio JJK across social platforms. I will see you soon. Well, I guess, I mean, 
I, I, it's a podcast. I, I won't see you. You'll, and I won't hear you. You'll hear me. You'll hear me again soon. Thanks.